If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah, there goes. The Blubbity Bar. Sending out good vibes. Basically, everything else has fallen apart, and magic has not. It's stood, you know, the tradition has stood steady, and I've, I've tried to revitalize the tradition. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, we're going to be chatting with Jason Louv a little bit later. Uh, the first time, of course, he had to just hang around for 40 minutes while we tried to troubleshoot a problem that turned out to be a blown audio hub, which we discovered about 10 minutes after he finally gave up on us. But he was nice enough to come back. So we're going to chat with him a little bit later, and it turned out to be a great chat. So, uh, yeah, it was a fun one. But first we got uh, Graham. I'm sick of rushing the intros, Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? I'm Okay. Yeah, doing okay. Yeah, Jason was a really good sport about. He was a super good about sport. about the first time. Like it's just honestly, there's weird things that happen. Like it was a hub that was broken, and it takes you a while to just figure out what is going wrong, right? I mean, even when you do tests and stuff, then you stop, you start, you start recording, and then things go wrong, and you don't know what's going on. So, and we still have a gremlin in here right now that I can't yeah. figure out. Yeah, and there's been a ton of episodes out. Jason Lou's been on a lot of podcasts, but this is a little bit different. We do, you know, we do try and do things a little bit different, and I think we had a pretty unique conversation with him. Get into all kinds of stuff besides his his book about the uh, the Empire. What's it called again? Jeez, that's terrible. I eh? I don't even have it in front of me. The books here. About the books Nokia. were. Yeah. Um, oh no, the books in the house. Yeah. Good job. That means it's a good book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's about John D and the Empire of Angels, I think it's called or yeah, something. Wow. Like the, it's like the British Empire. It's basically awesome story about Enochian magic and guy in the British Empire and I was talking and, about and Enochian. I was talking about Enochian magic today. Yeah. It's not a synchronicity. I know. Is that the one where you get wait, is that the one where you get uh powers? Or you get to be famous or whatever? You sell what your you, soul? You is that a Nokia oh. magic? Oh, I'm thinking of the other one. The <clears throat> deal one. Anyway, continue. The deal one? These fucking headphones like are driving Like doing the nuts. deal, deal uh, like dealing with the devil kind of thing? Your headphones like, doing that yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. The one where you sell your soul. Yeah. Well, that's dark. What is that? Black magic? Dark magic? Black magic woman. Yeah, maybe. Sex magic? Anyway, I thought it was a Nokian, but it's not. No, I so don't So don't worry so. about it. No. Anyways, yeah, you can tell we're really into magic and stuff, so... He gets into the definition, and uh, we talk about all kinds of stuff. It's pretty cool. I like how he connects it with the current state of affairs in the deep state. Yeah, that's like a fun. That's yeah, that's pretty, yeah, pretty that's, awesome. that's a nice twist. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, a popular role playing game is called Dungeons End. That's yeah, an easy right. one. Yeah, that's the first question. No, it wasn't guaranteed. No, no wasn't. shit. So anyway, I'm sorry, guys. Wow. 
Graham's razzed because I'm playing HQ trivia during the intro don't here. Don't fucking be a shill for HQ trivia. Don't talk about it on the show. I'm not, but if you do sign up, oh my God. use the code GRAMERICADERON no, so that really? I get an extra life. Really? That's the only reason I sent it to you. So what happens when you get an extra life? You stay that on playing and That means I can get a question get... wrong. Really? And I can That's try not again. fair. And then you just, then you split the winnings because you have the most people signed up? If you win it, you win. Do you get a maximum end. free? Yeah, get a maximum of one free life, or can you just sign up a hundred people? I don't know. Then... I've never, I've never got anyone else to sign up yet. Okay, well, while you're pitching that, I'm going to pitch. Uh, whoa, a little whoa, shout whoa. out to my buddy Jason. He's in my C SETI group, and C SETI. He's Jason. going to a, a gamma wave healing workshop. I wanted to talk about quickly. The, on June twenty, it's in Calgary on June twenty second, twenty third weekend. When are we going sweat lodging? I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. Um, and it's a guy coming up from New Mexico, I think. He's going to be doing uh, Gamma Wave Healing Level 1. And it's like uh, he's facilitated energy, energetic healings and readings for several hundred people since uh, 2000. And he's he had a close encounter with a UFO. This is interesting. These experiences have led him to develop a unique energetic healing modality called Gamma Wave Healing. Named after the modality's ability to assist you in entering a gamma brainwave state. I thought a gamma, isn't a gamma, oh no, isn't, isn't a gamma ray what comes out of a fucking supernova? Probably. And that would like vaporize the entire planet? It's just a frequency, I think, right? So gamma, theta, you know. So anyways, anyways, uh, I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. It's uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, June 22nd and June 24th. And I'm not even sure where it is, actually. But I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Oh, it's at the Hidden Gem Studio. So Where's that? Uh, I think that's in um, Mid Park Way. That sounds like uh, that little sort of down industrial. No, probably that industrial park. Not down in Minneport? No one else knows. It's one of the cool industrial it. parks. Like, Are you going to go? Up, no, no, I, I have a hockey tournament that weekend. A ball hockey tournament? Yeah. Anyways, let's move on. I'm so, out. I got lots to say. I knew it wouldn't take you long. <laughs> Start my How life. How many did you get right? The first one? I don't know. I missed it. I was late. You only get 10 seconds. And you missed it. Because mm-hmm. you made me podcast. That's okay. There's another one tomorrow. Jesus. So anyways, I got a UFO quote. I got some listener synchros and some feedback. What do you you want to get into? I want a good skull from a synchronicity. Graham reads it out, then Daryl might give it to me. Hey, don't you please read it low. So first of all, we love uh, getting emails from listeners about... All kinds of stuff, like sightings. I've got a couple of UFO sightings in here to read as well. Synchronicities, trip reports. I got, I'm got. i building up a little bit of a backlog of them, but uh, we try and read them out when we can. Yep, and it's good to. It's always good to hear from people and to hear where you guys heard the show. Got to quit rushing the interest. And you can say it at uh, Graham at Graham America. You can send it to Graham send at GrahamAmerica.com. Yeah, you and, can tweet us. Yeah, you know, Darren's on. Well, he's kind of on the Twitters. He's 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 weaning himself off the Twitters. Yeah, I don't spend a lot of time on the Twitters anymore. I'll check it at least once a day, though. Yeah, and I'm on the Instagram. Same thing. I'm not really on on lots, but you know, we don't. You we come don't to the chats. Following, but oh yeah, there's the chats. Yeah, that's come to the chats. That's the place to be. Really, that's the place to be. Yeah, Discord's the new 
Dang. I had James Cruz in there today, shilling for cruising with steak. Motherfucker. Starts out with a big gratitude, yeah. <laughs> gratitude to us. And he's like, by the way, check out Cruising with Steak in the <laughs> other channel. You just gave another plug. Yeah. yeah check out Cruising with Steak. Yeah. They're good guys. Yeah. I'll put a link to that in the show notes too. They met in the, ch- they fell fuckers. in love in the chats. Yeah. James and Grim. Strangers in the night. <laughs> <laughs> and Grim. Hey, there's chick- a few spot podcasts started out from, there's, there's another a couple. couple starting out too. Yeah. Unky Gwam. Yeah. A little podcast posse. Yeah. All right. So we... Oh, yeah, I got a Synchro, I got man. A, yeah, sorry, I got the... Just making notes here. So, hey there, Darren and Graham. Hail Grimerica. Oh, I'm a long time... It says hail, so... How's it spelled? H-A-I-L. No. Spelled wrong. I'm a long time listener. <laughs> first time caller. Long time, first time. First time, long time. <laughs> <laughs> And have been hesitant slash reluctant to submit this to you guys as a synchro, since to me it's more of a never-ending cosmic mindfuck to me rather than a true synchronicity. The liquid blanket is warming my soul. And then he says, slash soul, like spelt the other way. And I figure now is as good a time as any to share this with you. The synchro, in my mind, isn't really like a typical deja vu type event. Rather, it is an interesting entanglement of overlapping dates and weird combinations of names and dates. I apologize if this takes me a moment to type type it out. It's kind of hard to put it all into a chronological order of events, so I will just try and lay out all the facts and coincidences and let you guys see if it falls under the category of synchro or just mind fuckery. There are five people and three dogs involved in this twisted tale. I was born on May 13th, 1968. My wife was born on January 26th. I've only been with two women in my wife uh, in my life. <laughs> Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's all falling apart already. My ex girlfriend and my wife. My ex girlfriend and my wife happen to share the same birthday, January 26th. I have four kids, three boys and a daughter. Our daughter is the youngest child, and she happens to share the same birthday as my wife and my ex, January 26th. My daughter has a boyfriend, and guess what his birthday is? May 13th. Okay, well, not really a synchro. There are a couple other interesting events tied into all this. My, my daughter's boyfriend was born in Keno, Oregon. We used to have a red healer a few years ago who happened to be named Keno. And the last strange coincidence is that my daughter has a dog, a Chowini, named Izzy, and her boyfriend also happens to have a dog named Izzy. While not totally mind-boggling, I do think it's kind of weird. One other astrological coincidence happens to be that my daughter's boyfriend's younger brother and his father also share the same birthday of December 23rd. Sort of bizarre that both our families share a parent and a sibling with the same birthday. Anyways, just figured I'd send this to you guys and maybe you'd get a kick out of the way the way the universe deals its hand to us and sometimes seems to give us a kind of glimpse of the man behind the curtain pulling all those fancy levers and laughing at us. Keep up the great work, and thanks for your time, Steve in Boise, Idaho, where it's always 8 o'clock. Why <laughs> it's always 8 o'clock? That's a Skinner reference. How come it has to be a man? What? Maybe it's a they. Um, then 13 is half of 26. Oh. Wow, that's a good one. See? Leave it to Darren to find a little bit of an extra little link there. Yeah. So Maybe I'd say, would you say that's a sink or just a little mind fuckery? Probably. Let's call it mind fuckery, so I don't have to crush him with a shitty score. I got another. Uh, I got another one for you here. Oh, is this a gram one? No, no. It's a. It's a. 
it's a synchronicity or spirit podcast, uh, spirit uh, contact. It's a question whether it's dead grandfather synchronicity or spirit contact. Now this isn't fair. What? I, I don't want to be. I'm not a ghost. You don't master. have to rate. You don't have to rate it. If okay, well, I'm not deciding what it is either. It's about, you have a thing about. I get to decide. I get to decide whether or not that. it's their dead relative contacting them or not. You don't have. You don't have to decide anything. Just okay. listen. I'm not and, answering the know, question then. All right. There's an, I'm not above telling someone they're crazy. Hi, Graham. I'm just listening to your podcast this week. I just started listening to your podcast this week and just became a supporter of the show. I think your interest in synchronicities, I think I share your interest in synchronicities, although I'm not quite sure what to think of them. I have a bunch of strange stories I can tell you about, but I thought I would just share this one for now. If you decide to use this... Uh-oh, did I say his name? I don't know. If you decide to use this story on the show, I would just ask that you don't use my real name. Well, we've stated malt. No, we can't edit anything. <laughs> we stated multiple times that that needs to be the first thing. Really has to be right at the did top. Did I say it? Me. I don't think I said it yet. Did I, I? Okay. I don't know, but I'm so not. So if checking. I come to the end, then just tell me to hush. Okay. No, I'm forget. not telling you again. Write about, it fucking down. <laughs> about two years ago, I had a very vivid dream that my grandfather, who passed away when I was in second grade, came to visit me. I'm just writing no name on the table here. In the dream, he was wearing a green shirt with a yellow writing on it, which I have since confirmed was the uniform of the landscaping business he owned when I was when he was alive. So he just confirmed that. Well, he probably seen him when he was a kid. <sighs> no, he said he just confirmed it. Uh, okay, maybe. So in the dream, my grandfather told me that I needed to be prepared because in the near future, there was going to be an event that would tear my family apart. He then said that I would be the only person who could bring everyone back together. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty heavy. <laughs> right Maybe it's his bat, knowledge right? of podcasts. The dream felt so real that I told my brother and wife about it the next day after I woke up. Fast forward one month to the day later, and I get a phone call telling me that my dad is being life flighted in a helicopter to the hospital because he suffered a massive heart attack. After having a quadruple bypass surgery, he ends up being fine. However, while my dad was in the hospital, many of his secrets were exposed, including the fact that he had been cheating on my mom and pissing away money that is boring from relatives, among many other things. Oof. Jesus. Oof, heavy stuff. His behaviors and the problems had created that tore the fa my family apart, just like my grandfather warned me it would. Family and friends stopped being family and friends. Today, I've mended relationships with extended family and basically the go-between for everyone who wants to talk to my dad. I've basically been the one who has opened lines of communication between family members, but problems are still being dealt with today. Again, all this happened after my dead grandfather warned me about it in a dream. To this day, my brother and wife still bring up the fact that I told them about this dream and they can't believe everything we've dealt with since. Not sure if this counts as a synchronicity or not. I don't understand what this dream actually was besides an omen, but it has defined a good two years of my life. Anyway, I love the show. I listen to podcasts at work all the time, and I will definitely be catching up on some this week. Actually, that's, that's a fun thing to hear about, too, is how people listen to the show, like at work or driving or doing dishes or mowing the lawn or... Yeah. Having yeah. sex. Making love. <laughs> Hopefully there's none of those. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to... No, you don't have to read it. That's a good story. We've had lots of dream stories like that. Like, there's a lot of pre-crime. Now, yeah. So, 
I believe you can. I believe that you know, dead people can visit you in your dreams and give you stuff, show sure. you things. Yeah. I mean, and it's like there's a 100%. There's, there's a precog thing there. I mean, it I'm happens. With you. A lot of listeners have emailed in about that, mm-hmm. and a lot of people I know personally. Not my place to say. My sister had it happen twice. Big, exactly. very, very profound. For I wouldn't her. tell her she's wrong. That's right. How can I? Yeah, exactly. Do you want me to get? I got another email. So what's it about? Uh, well, it's um, it's kind of about the squatty potty situation, but is it calling us shills again? No. Do you want me to? Uh, we really need a squatty potty at but, work. But there's a rainbow synchro that I haven't read from from this guy. I should get Donna. And it's quite one. a long one, so I'll probably wait with that if, unless we have time. Okay, I'm going to go into this then. <laughs> Didn't you say you're going to wait? Well, no, I have the, the other part. Okay. Go. Hey there, fellas. Nick and Nam here, a satellite station like of the UK, UK Posse. Yeah. In Vietnam? Yeah, he travels. He sends. Oh. I get emails from people traveling around the world sometimes. It's pretty cool. I wrote to you a while back with a few accumulating synchronicities involving my mum and rainbows. Back then, I promised to send you some Vietnamese dong and a full report of the Vietnam squatty potty situation. Well, I don't really know why it's gone quiet on the squatty potty front of late. I, for one, missed the segment, and I may go as far as to encourage the revival of this with maybe some regular, if you pardon the pun, listener feedback about various flow states. What <laughs> what uh, segment? I wonder, the squatty potty segment, we used to talk about it. Look, if Was you join the chats, if you join the chats, you'd see fucking squatty potty pics, like people with their legs in the squatty potty. Like, I don't know why that's a thing, but people like I to started prove, that. people like to prove that they're on Those the are squatty potty. My toilet is too high for it to be effective. I need to buy the nine inch and I don't know where to get it from. Order it online. I think Amazon has both. So then you could bring your seven inch to work. I just saved mine up for Darren's when I come here. We need mine at work. We need one at work. I notice. Really? Oh yeah. Don't don't go at work then. I can't, I can't. You're not supposed to hold it. (laughs) You're not supposed to hold it. You have a squatty potty, Brody? Hell yeah. I've had wow. that for years. Wow, what? Really? That? Wow, that's yeah, another that's little synchronicity. Kind of I probably... Well, oh, yeah, okay, you squat okay. over there. Yeah, like I noticed the difference. Yeah, okay, no so here... Okay, so this guy's close to China, right? Vietnam? Close what by? in the are they, are they close? <laughs> yeah, they're pretty close, right? Just be... Sort of. yes. Jesus so, Christ, girl. Here we go. Here go. First, he's calling people fucking abos. <laughs> and now this. Whoa. So... Yeah. <laughs> So he says, I wonder we what happened. Actually, we actually got some emails oh. saying that, no, that's not okay. You need to stop. <laughs> I, I apologized. You did. Yeah. yeah. You're going to end up apologizing. And I said, for thanks this. for the warning. So he says, I wonder what happened. Maybe the Squatty Potty subsidiary sponsors pulled out. <laughs> wink, wink. Subsidiary. Anyway, when taking a shit in this corner of the world, the most prevalent form one takes is the SWAT. What's a SWAT? You're normally given the option of a porcelain bowl sunk into the ground with two porcelain foot plates. Occasionally with hand grips on either side for the ultimate performance. It sometimes comes with a flush, but usually a colorful bucket of water. Unfortunately, my place houses the regular sit-down lavvy. Therefore, I laid therefore I have laid a brick down to use as the footstool. The height feels nice to you have to have the the nice what? Oh the the height feels nice and you have the luxury of selecting different heights as you can rotate the brick a few ways. Nice. See, that's what I need. I need a spotty potty that's... A spotty? Squatty potty that's rotatable. That's actually a great idea. 
You could decorate it up with some gift wrap and cling film if you like. I like it. Interesting, when the dudes here are presented with a regular porcelain throne that we are accustomed to in the West, many still like to pop a swat on the bowl by placing their feet on the seat. Really? <laughs> yeah. You can often see the footprints. <laughs> I believe the motives for this are a combination of performance and hygiene. This is why when I see footprints on the toilet seat at work, I always think it's somebody doing up their boot. What are you and I'm kidding like, me? Why is this person There's putting footprints their footprint on the toilet? On the toilet seat There's footprints on the To do up the their toilet? boot. Can't they just bend down and do up their is boot on the Is there footprints on the toilet? I I've seen footprints on the toilet. I'm Which pretty bathroom sure. are you using? Never mind. I'm not going. On Upstairs? the seat. On up the or down? Seat. Just say up or down. No, I'm, I don't know. Well, down, obviously. But anyway, oh, it doesn't matter. I, I don't, maybe, I don't think they were pointing towards me. Though. You should better see which they way they They must have been pointing <laughs> the other towards way? the back. Well, you better check which, that's important. Because that now could be happening. I mean, that could, they, oh, people yeah, could be swatting could at work. be happening at our place. And maybe some people are just scared of the hygiene thing. Like, you know, because when you sit down on a toilet, like, that's what bugs me about the toilets in the Western, Western civilization here, like in the Western. Why? They're not very clean. No, and they're not even easy to clean. Like yeah, it should be that. like you fucking sit on it and you can fucking spray it down or flush it or like something should be a little bit more. I like the squat you know? idea, especially with the handles. But that could be why people are doing it. You just grab a handle from the roof and okay, not from the squat roof. On it. We were at Fish Creek the other day in Madison. She's perfect bush kid. She's like, uh, I got to pee. So she like pulls her pants on her shorts down. She grabs like the root coming out of the river bank and just like leans back, wow. like hanging out. And she starts peeing and the fucking root breaks. She just falls, fucking topples into Fish Creek. Nice. Fuck, we all had a pretty good laugh. Oh, yeah. That's that was fucking funny. hilarious. Yeah. Did she take it like Oh, a yeah. Champ? She was just fucking laughing. <laughs> How old's your daughter just for the audience? She'll be seven in yeah, a couple that's months. Pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. All right. So where am I here? Like 23. Yeah. Yeah, she wasn't drunk. Oh, so here he says, so he says, you can often see the footprints. I believe the motives for this are a combination of performance and hygiene. That's right. Well, definitely performance. Next on to the cleaning stage, meet the bum gum. The bun gum. Oh, the bum gun. It's hard for me to say that. Bum Toilet gun? paper has been given the elbow and the handheld badai steps up to the mark and never lets you down. I hope this is enlightening and inspiring. Another huge thank you for your time, dedication, effort, What's and energy. What's a bum gun? Is there a picture? It's a bidet. A handheld bidet. A handheld bidet? Oh, it's bidet? a handheld bidet? Oh, it's a handheld bidet, yeah. That's oh, right, just a fucking wow. garden hose coming out of the ground. You can get a little add-on handheld bidet. I feel like that wouldn't really do the, the trick if you're not, like, wiping hard, you know? That's good. that's your conditioning. Yeah, that is probably well, my conditioning, right? No, it's just like a, like a shower head that you hooks up to your sink. Fuck yeah, we should get. Uh, no, you know what you do? You get it gets a splitter that goes down to, by to the, the toilet. toilet yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, right? and then you just so doesn't oh, it get water get... everywhere and stuff? Or you just got to do it? Like, I, I don't know. It's fifty-five bucks, man. I might get one. You're sitting in the toilet. You spray. Try the bum gun on instead of the paper. Yeah, is man. it more environmentally friendly, or are you using up more water? Be, no, who cares about the water? Because you could sell it as environmentally friendly. Yeah, but then the water. There's a water I think issue. It's just healthier for your colon. Toilet paper rubbing it, it's not good. Scratching yeah, yeah. yeah. it. We one. need to get Brody a mic on this thing. No, oh, he yeah. has a mic. Yeah. He just doesn't use He's it. Got... <laughs> <laughs> He's always got good things to say. We, we should just get Brody a headset. So he always has a mic. That's a good idea. Yeah. I have a USB one at home. 
Can't I be do USB. too, but it doesn't have... Uh, can't, can't be USB. All right. Okay. Can't be USB. Okay. It's a shitty one anyways. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. So he says, another huge thank you for your time, dedication, effort, and energy that you put into the show week in and week out. I am truly thankful. I will try to get a Cambodian jungle trip to you shortly. What? But for now, just sending you a load of love and appreciation and some money. No, no, I, I can't go to Cambodia. A friend and a fan. I don't want to go to Cambodia. Isn't there a bunch of fucking landmines still? What are you talking about, Cambodia? A jungle, a trip, trip report. Oh, okay, good. Not yeah. a trip to Cambodia. <clears throat> no, a trip I'm report. I'm not interested. A, a friend and fan, Nick, and he says, P.S. Yes, a wellie, short for Wellington Boots, is a shoe to help with the puddles. That's from a previous email. So, But I'll, I'll save that rainbow synchro for next episode. I'm going to... Boo-boo. Can I play my jingle now, motherfucker? Yep. Bingo, bingo, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe to the Grime America newsletter. Bingo, bingo, social media jingle. So first, I'm gonna go to the Discord. Does that count as social media? Yeah, I don't know um, if I don't know. I don't know if I want to acquaint it with social media. I know. My, my need its own. I think it should have its own jingle. But anyway, I got a, a thing. Anyway, it says from our buddy. Uh, I'll just say Mac L. Okay. Not the regular Mac. Okay. Um, I have done a ton of research into vaccines, and you really led me and the wife into reality. All starting with those documentaries. I'd send him some documentaries. I appreciate the info, and it led us down a rabbit hole we will never forget. Again, I appreciate it. You guys have also inspired me to start making my own podcast. I'm just getting started on it, but I am realizing what it takes to even get started, let alone keeping up with it. Once I have established it a bit, I will let you know, and you can check it out if you have time. Don't be a friend to send any any little tips and tricks my way. Just kidding. I know you're 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 busy. I might send you some tips. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Always good to spread some knowledge. Now I'm going to go to the good old YouTubes. YouTubes. Uh oh. What? Troll Central? Troll Central. That was best Twitter. Uh, actually. <laughs> Fuck Twitter. <clears throat> okay, we got. When was the last time I did this? Uh, quite a while ago. A couple episodes ago, probably. Okay, we'll go back to here. If Alex really believes in Tom DeLonge from Blink Any 182, Blink 182, then I suggest he does more research on him. What? That doesn't make sense. I don't think Alex believed that. Cheers, guys. Really enjoyed the debate. Does anything less than UFOs landing on your lawn count? I'm wondering, even on them, I think it may actually take being stepping out of the vehicle on the front lawn with gifts and pollution solutions that don't include humanity's extinction. And then maybe the MSN might run a couple of stories. Extension? 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 Extinction. You better watch yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's good. That's pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's going to take something no less than landing... Getting out in front of everybody, in front of a bunch of cameras. Otherwise, who knows? It could be hoaxed. Cameras. Even then. Even then. Even then. I'm not sure I'd care. Yeah. Heard it yeah. from Ephraim Palermo. 
Oh, and that's not the one I was looking for. There's one. I had one that was on the other end of that. Ah, oh, now I can't find it for fuck's sakes. Facebook is just the worst thing in the world. Okay. Go Let ahead and say my, something. Uh, UFO quote of the week then? How about that? Sure. I am going deep. It's a profound I think he deleted UFO it. quote of the <laughs> week. Oh, here we go. I found it. Never mind. You're out. Liked this. Sh- this is on number 289 with Alex and Leslie. Like this show. Didn't love it. Alex has his own show to bitch at Leslie on. I listen to Skeptico too and like it for what he does. I listen to Grimerica for your point of view, not his. If it's a round table, I get it. But Alex is kind of a steamroller sometimes, and I think he likes <laughs> to fight for the sake of fighting. I know he's trying to bring things out and make points. But the confrontational attitude is off-putting. Oh, yeah. So I thought I should read that one anyway. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it was definitely the most hostile episode I've ever been. Yeah, it was, but it had it kind of it kind of had. I I appreciate that because it had to be. This is an important. It's an important one to try and push back on. It's different. That's the fucking most important topic. And Graham's too chicken shit to push back himself, so he's bringing the big guns. I can guns. push back. <laughs> the most important topic, more important than geoengineering. Yeah, yeah, close to close second to geoengineering. Yeah, I bet you can yeah. push back, power bottom. Yeah, if okay, here's the UFO quote. It was a giant plate of light. It lit up the whole horizon with a glare. It was flying low over the landscape and appeared to be spinning. That was from Police Constable Eric Pinnock in Warminster, Wiltshire, in November 1965. 19 what? 65. Nice. Yeah. There you go. There's a UFO quote. Okay, buddy. Power bottom gram. All right, guys, head over to grammarica.ca slash support if you are so inclined and do help us out with a little support. Do you even know what a power bottom is? Yeah. When did you learn that? Grim steak. (laughs) 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 Why are you... Okay, go back to the support. Sorry. Please support the show. Because uh, we actually had a couple cancellations last month. Oh. I think a few of them went to Patreon. Oh, yeah, yeah. They are asking to have um, Patreon. Yeah. yeah, we could always use some more support. Still not at 1%. Uh, probably about three quarters of 1%. We're trying to get to one, then two. Yeah, we'll st- let's start with one. Let's not get carried away. Go for 1%. So if you guys uh, if you haven't supported the show yet here, I think there's episode 291 or 292 or something like that. So it's probably good a time ever to go over and maybe do a one-time donation or sign up for a monthly or sign up for a Patreon. And it really is appreciated. Helps us keep going, helps us replace broken cords and fucking boxes and boxes and every fucking other thing that tends to break along the way. And, um, yeah. Helps us with our gas. Helps with our gas. Gear acquisition syndrome. Coffee. Weed. All this shit costs money. (laughs) And, yeah. Helps out. Yeah. Thousands of hours into this fucking podcast at this point, so it's always good. Yeah, we to can't see. do it without you either. It's really. always good. yeah. Without the supporters we had right now, we wouldn't we wouldn't have made it this far. But uh, thanks to them, we keep rolling. And if you want to be one of them, check out the support page. Of course, check out the show notes as well because Graham has a bunch of other stuff in there that helps the show. It's free. There's really no excuse not to at least do that stuff. You can rate the show, review the show, share the show, sign up for the newsletter, sign other people up for the newsletter, all sorts of shit. Just get over there, do it. Just fucking do it. And then, enjoy this interview. Who's the interview with again? Jason Liu. Right, Jason Liu. Magically forgot. 
right, we've got a special episode tonight with uh, Jason Louv. He's author, futurist, wizard. He's been exploring the outer reaches of human culture and possibility for decades. He's got his blog, Ultra Culture. He teaches at magic.me and his new book out, which probably most of you have already heard of, John D. and the Empire of Angels. It's doing really well, and um, we really appreciate your patience, Jason, on uh, giving this a second time around. We had some technical difficulties a couple weeks ago, so thanks for coming back on the show, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me on. How's it going, boys? Yeah, we're doing well. Other than yeah. the gremlins that seem to have moved into the studio since the accident. <laughs> the accident. Um, the all, accident. all is well. But yeah, welcome to the show. I know we've already got a few listeners that have met you and got their book signed. And I have we have a copy of the book, but it's in the house. Oh, okay. That's a good place to leave it. It's a hardcover, though. That's good. I've got a copy of the book. It's in Perfect. the house. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah how's, how's, how's everything? Yeah, we're good. We're good. I mean, we've... You know, you've you've been on a lot of shows, and we're kind of late late to the punch here, but that's okay. We can uh, we can explore some you know some different perspectives as well, and feel, yeah. feel free to go all over the place with us here. Um, yeah, no, that's good because we can. You know, I've got all the. Uh, I'm so used to it at this point. You know, we can just be super casual with it. Yeah, for sure. I I think I wanted to start off just because you know a lot of this is about magic and the occult, and we've wanted to touch on this a little bit more on the podcast. Like we're getting more and more interested in it. But, you know, it's only been something that we've touched on a little bit because we do, you know, hit a whole wide range of topics. So <clears throat> I was thinking maybe just for people that that aren't sure, like, can we define magic and the different types of magic, like Enochian that you talk about in here and and uh, chaos magic? Like, do you have do you have sort of a, a summary of what, what people because this isn't the you know, this isn't like stage magic that this is like real, real stuff we're talking about. Totally. So I use magic as a shorthand word to describe all of the esoteric practices that human beings have been doing since the dawn of history in every single culture around the world. Anything from shamanism to yoga to any practice that people have been undertaking to explore strange realms of consciousness, the unconscious mind. Uh, the hidden and occult parts of reality. And that's a pretty broad definition I use. I even include modern things like neuro-linguistic programming and in some senses uh, even marketing and advertising, I think, are a form of magic because they're very much about changing reality for other people. So I use the phrase magic to cover all of these things because that's a lot to say in one breath and because magic sounds really cool because (laughs) it is cool, right? Yeah. But uh, in the case of John D. and Enochian magic, magic is a technical and precise term for the Western esoteric tradition, which is a specific spiritual tradition that has been ongoing in Western culture for a couple thousand years, but particularly since the Renaissance, and was largely kept hidden for the elites, if we can say that, uh, people in the higher echelons of particularly English society and academics and thinkers and people connected with governments and it was very much a science and is very much a science about contacting you know extra human beings manipulating reality for other people and for individuals and you know to put no two bones about it you know controlling the narrative of reality for those who are not so clued in and one of the things that i've tried to do in my now 20-year career is jailbreak those technologies and get them out to the public. Uh, 
Ooh, I like that term, jailbreaking. That's a good one. Pat. Yeah. You should try a few levels that. of resonance there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> so so what's your does... favorite? What's your personal favorite? My personal favorite uh uh what, iPhone? Form of magic. <laughs> Form of magic. Well, I I I have to say that, you know, at this point I've now spent twenty years traveling all over the world learning every single type that I could get my hands on. So starting with hermeticism and chaos magic and um, uh, Western esoteric tradition and Sufism and uh, things like Vudan and neurolinguistic programming, Freemasonry. I was initiated as a Nepali shaman in the foothills of the Himalaya. I studied esoteric yoga under gurus at the heights at 13,000 feet up in the, the Himalayas. Uh, Buddhism, I, I've tried to get, you know, do all of it as much as I could. And it's kind of been my full-time life pursuit. That said, I do have to say that one of the reasons I wrote this book, John D and the Empire of Angels, is because Enochian magic, which is uh, a very, very technically sophisticated system for contacting angels that was delivered by John D, the court astrologer of Queen Elizabeth I, is probably the most... Uh, almost brutally on the nose effective system of magic that I've come across, at least within the Western tradition, possibly not within the Eastern systems. But Enochian is really a system for taking an average human being, breaking them, and then enlightening them <laughs> very directly. Wow. So, hmm. I kind of know how that goes. Um, so how does that, uh, can you give us sort of a, uh, a, a quick rundown of, of exactly what that would entail, what that would look like, how so, long it would take? It depends on the individual. It's, it would have to be completely self-paced. Um, it depends on the, the level of spiritual maturity of the individual undertaking the system. And, uh, but it's, you know, Enochian involves opening up a sequence of altered states of consciousness through you know, what we could call ritual magic and all that ritual magic really is, by the way, is set and setting. If you know the psychedelic experience, Timothy Leary always used to talk about the importance of set and setting for using psychedelics, yeah. meaning what was around you, your mindset, you know, all of that, you know, the ritualization of an altered state of consciousness, which doesn't necessarily have to be psychedelic but can be undertaken through other means, for instance, meditation, yoga, deep breathing, uh, various sex. other techniques. Uh, you know, sex, absolutely. And um, that's kind of the deal with Enochian, that it's a sequence of about 30 or more. That's only, actually, that's only part of it, but the main part, which is calling the Aethers, is opening up a sequence of 30 altered states of consciousness, each of which progressively reveals deeper layers of reality to the uh, magician undertaking it uh, while fundamentally altering them as they go along. And it's not uh, for the faint of heart and it's not for dabblers because the person that comes out on the other end is no longer the person that went into it. <laughs> yeah. I heard, I think I heard you mention something like that as a definition of magic where it strips away re the, the, uh, something about, it enables you to see reality as opposed to seeing the illusion. Like magic doesn't, you know, it does the opposite of what some people think, where it basically just breaks down the illusion and enables you to see those layers of reality. 
That's right. My, my personal view of magic at this point in my life is that the universe is inherently magical. It's the universe is a magic trick. Just the fact that we're here at all and conscious of this incredible psychedelic trip called life is no one knows what no one knows why it's unbelievable. And the amount of magic, you know, per se, that's available to us, meaning just the magic of being alive is infinite and incalculable but we fuck ourselves up and get in our own way by running with our mental chatter and our story about our life it's really only our story about our life and who we are and our own thoughts our own bound thought processes that prevent us from fully seeing that and so what i think magic is you know people kind of get into magic with this idea of like oh i'll learn magic spells and get to have power and you know all this nonsense but what you know it's nonsense but it's conditioned by hollywood and that's not really what magic is really about magic in my opinion is about overcoming your own story and getting out of your head to the point that you can see the magic that's right in front of your face which is this utterly beautiful and insane and bewildering and uh, chaotic universe that somehow always seems to kind of work out in, in, a, in a strange and magical way. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. How does the new age sort of stuff like intention and attention and focus and all that fit into this? I mean, is that, that's a form of magic I would assume if you're, you know, if your intention is pure or the whole law of attraction thing, is that, how does that fit into it? Is that, and, and has that been sort of uh, hijacked in a way? Yeah, well, it's it's you know it's indistinguishable in a sense from the magical tradition. Although the difference between the new new thought and new age and magic is magic is much more about using the unconscious mind instead of new thought, which is much more about uh, changing your thoughts. Right, like new thought is basically think positive thoughts, think happy thoughts. Well, magic is don't fucking think. <laughs> right, so that's you know, kind of like meditation of then, in a sense. Well, meditation is a big part of it and, and meditation undertaken in a serious way over many, many years to the point that your brain basically alters um, because at least that's my definition of it. I think that the point is to be present in the world and watch it unfolding as it happens instead of being preoccupied with, you know, by the devil. People ask what the devil is or the devil's the voice in your head. You know, it's, it's the thing in your head that you think is you. It's telling you a story about who you are that is just a bullshit made up story. Yeah, based on trauma and experience. Yeah, I was. That's, you, right. that's interesting. So, do you think that that aspect of empty your mind and meditation and and all uh, kind of looking within yourself does that is there an equal or is there any part of it? Because sometimes I find that a lot of thought articulation almost needs to be done through talking about things uh i'm not sure what your question is um kind of like uh I, I actually get a lot of it from from following peterson's work where he's Jordan always talking yeah where he's, he he kind of talks about you in order to really get to know who you are and what your ideas are and what you think it's not enough to just do that inside your own head unless he says you know there's a very limited amount of people that can actually have that sort of level of conversation with themselves and it's more like when you get with another person or two and 
you know, you could be changing your own mind while you're talking about things because you haven't really thought about it that way until you're actually trying to formulate it into, ver- you know, verbal communication. Right. Well, this is one of the ways that the Western path differs from the Eastern path, where the Eastern path is very internal. And, you know, the image we always get of people interested in Eastern mysticism is they're kind of sitting in a cave somewhere. The way that Western magic and just meditating and that's it with a shaved head. The way that Western magic differs from that is that it's very much about externalization. And hence, when we think about people who are doing magic, even if it's the Hollywood variety, we think of people with tools and things around them and mandalas and images and gods and things like that. And that's because they're externalizing their minds, if that makes sense. Uh, Jordan Peterson is an interesting character because he's very much all about the archetypes and union archetypes, which is kind of the first level that people get to when they get into the Western tradition where they start to ask, well, are gods real in an archetypal way? And they tend to, when people first start to get into this stuff, but they haven't fully, they don't really know who they are yet and they haven't mastered their mind, then they'll be having, they'll be, you know, seeing archetypes and seeing patterns and structures in the world and uh, particularly with psychedelics or things like that. And they'll be, they'll make the slip that I think Jordan Peterson makes, which is that they think that that stuff has some type of eternal or essential quality. Jordan Peterson is very much an essentialist and very much a deist. But what happens as meditation progresses, and it's an important stage, what happens as meditation progresses is you understand that it's just your mind manifesting all of that and that your mind ultimately is empty of quality and that's that's important to point out because uh, particularly for magical students if they stay for too long thinking that things are inherently real or real outside their own mind that is actually the path to religious dogma and religious fundamentalism because they think that you know the gods are real whereas they don't under you know the buddhists are very on point about this where they're almost ferocious in training their students that all that stuff is just their mind manifesting. They're seeing a mirror of their mind. Having known a lot of people on both sides of that fence, you know, I see the the results as time goes on. So, but that that is that is the difference between Western magic and the Eastern paths. That Western people do, you know, and I don't want to make generalizations, but I will say that at least the Western path is very much about externalizing the contents of the mind, whereas. The Eastern paths, meaning Hindu yoga, Vedanta, Buddhism, and its various the various turnings of the Dharma, are very much about um, internalization. Do you think one is better than the other? Because I know the Western world has done a pretty good job of fucking up a lot of stuff, but that connection almost seems like a bit of you know being a master of both would be the ultimate. But it could be more of like right. we've been forced into that in the Western world because of denialism and and shame and all this stuff, and and this really being oh, a man, taboo you can even subject, take that back so. to burning witches. You know, that's, you know, you start, I was talking about that today with someone, how that whole witch burning thing kind of shut down an aspect of stu- of, of society that could have brought some of that in, you yeah. know? Yeah. Right. Well, according to Jordan Peterson in his new, the New York Times thing that just came out about him, he says that witches are real and they live in swamps. So there's that. But, um, <laughs> well, witches are real. I know a couple. I married well, one. That's another question. <laughs> Maybe that's how he meant it. I don't know. But um, uh, anyways, uh, well, I think you need both. And I think that you are absolutely right 
there, there is, you know, the, the reason, look, the reason I've spent 20 years on this is because we have a glaring hole and security flaw in our culture, which is the inability to deal with consciousness and the inability to deal with sacred exp- experiences because we've just shut the door on them because yeah. of rational materialism. Yeah. That's an utter fail, right? And I think that a much healthier, well, let me back up. It is absolutely important for our society that we made a clear distinguisher between what is objectively real and what is just subjective fantasy. That's great. And that's probably the reason that our culture has advanced so much technologically. That said, I think it would be a much healthier position for our culture to say, while these things aren't objectively real, they're subjectively very valuable because they allow individuals to mature as individuals. If you undertake meditation or spiritual practice, whatever it is, you will become a more mature individual on the other side of that. You will be more initiated. You will know your place in the flow of life and the flow of nature. And that's what people don't have right now. I think young men in particular crave um, initiation and they'll look for it anywhere. They'll look for it in a gang or a negative association or whatever. How much they can drink. Sure. You know, which in itself, yeah. Sorry, but but even look, even drugs and alcohol are very much a a quest for a quest for God in a way, a quest for altered states of consciousness. It's just done in a way which is unfortunately deleterious to the body. But that's my opinion on it. I think that we need it in this culture, even if we were to say it's subjectively important, it makes happier and more well-rounded human beings. And by the way, I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing the huge popularity of Jordan Peterson, because he does speak to that. And people are saying, or voting, you know, in the market, they're saying they want it. Yeah. I should actually, before we get too far, I should clarify too, that to me, witches aren't a bad thing. So... And he might have been. Out there so I think he might have been talking I'm, about Hillary uh, specifically, actually. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, Graham! Um, you're you're, well, you're not swamp, doing any. I, I hear the Twitter mob coming. Yeah, here we go. So alt right, Graham Dunlop strikes again, and we're talking about Peterson. We might as well be Nazi. <laughs> right, right, right. So well. That's my, I mean, I'm not like, uh, now, so, so actually this is interesting. So last night I listened to the two debates between Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson, and that is a fascinating view on things because Sam Harris, although being, you know, kind of having this, you know, he's considered a voice for a hard headed materialist rationality. Sam Harris is also a Zogchen Buddhist practitioner and spent like two years in silent meditation. So he's in in terms of the esoteric world. That's pretty freaking advanced. Yeah. Like that's really really advanced. So it was fascinating to hear him talking to Jordan Peterson because you get a sense of where those two guys are coming from. Where Sam Harris understands the uh, emptiness of consciousness and understands the importance of precision of language. Where Jordan Peterson is very much a deist and an essentialist and clearly believes that there is some type of personified and probably patriarchal divine force. Right. But his logic is his logic didn't hold a candle to Sam Harris's in my opinion. Wow. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I haven't sure. listened to that one yet. So, so kind of building on the, the popularity thing, I mean, you, you, your book has also been really popular and you're 
you know, obviously gaining quite a bit in that. I mean, is that, there's, it's I, I, really good timing, obviously, but why is there such a, an interest? I mean, there's, you know, occult stuff coming out, um, uh, magic stuff coming out quite a bit. I mean, the timing's great for your book, but can you speak to like the, the popularity of that? I mean, cause there's a lot of negative press about it as well, especially since, uh, in the last couple of years, but it's, there's also obviously a lot of, a lot, a lot of positive stuff and people are realizing, and I think the science is starting to catch up to the consciousness aspect as well. I mean, we're having these conversations now all over the place. Um, there's guys like, um, Dean Radin and all these other people that are really showing fantastic, you know, I think the science is, is almost there and things are opening up. So, but I mean, I guess it's a combination of all that, but can you speak to the increase in popularity? Well, I think, frankly, it's because people tried everything else and it didn't work. <laughs> and uh, I think that, well, there's a lot of things. Okay, one, it's the internet, right? It's the fact that you can get all this information. When I was first trying to learn about this stuff, you could not find info. You had to go to university university libraries and special collections. And even then, it was very hard to find information. Now you can get PDFs or get Amazon Prime books delivered the same or the next day. You can get anything. We yeah. can have discussions like this openly without fear of retribution. It was not like that in America in the 80s and in the 90s. We had right. the satanic panic. I mean, you could <laughs> get killed. You could get killed. No, literally, you could what get killed. What are the fucking chances I would hear about the satanic panic twice in one day? Well, it's an important part of the history. But um, I will say that, you know, I feel like Basically, everything else has fallen apart and magic has not. It's stood, you know, the tradition has stood steady and I've, I've tried to revitalize the tradition. So it's really fascinating for me to watch this because it's kind of like, oh, oh, hey, guys, oh, nice of you to show up to the party 20 years later. You know, I've been out here on the wrong side of the tracks, you know, cooking beans on a campfire the whole time. Now everyone, everyone wants to show up. Well, uh, OK, well, <laughs> sit down, sit down to the fire. Let me tell you a few things. Uh, and it's fascinating to watch what people think magic is actually, and when it's clear that they basically, you know, have no experience in it. On the other hand, you have guys like Gordon White who, who are experienced. Um, that said, I mean, even, you know, even to have the conversation that we just had about what is real and what is not, what is mind and what is not. I mean, there is a basic level of competence that you see in the Eastern traditions like Tibetan Buddhism or, or Theravada Buddhism or Hinduism, they are, you know, on advanced computer programming and AI creation when it comes to spirituality, whereas we're kind of like, oh, well, if I wear a pendant from, you know, if I wear a kind of like pendant with occult symbols on it, will I get power? You know, it's, it's uh, <laughs> our, our level of understanding in the West is, laughable compared to the rest of the world. And this is going to be interesting going forward because I think that as Western people get more and more into spirituality, what they're going to find out is they're way behind. Like everyone else has been at this party for thousands of years already. Oh, and, and we were, but yeah. And we're the new kids on the block. And what people think is magical or what is powerful in Western culture is a joke compared to, you know, just, just travel in Northwest, Northeast India you know, travel in, in Buddhist countries, travel in Thailand. You'll see. But will you get a little power out of a magical pendant? Might get Instagram followers. <laughs> what about crystals? Crystals are different though. That's a different thing. Yeah. Well that, yeah, that you'll get a lot of Instagram followers for that. <laughs> what? Um, and you, and you can sell crystals on Instagram. You can sell affiliate marketing for crystals. Then you're, then, then that's real power, you know? 
Can you sell magic on Twitter? On Instagram. Oh, Instagram. Can't sell anything on Twitter. Twitter sucks. Um, <laughs> oh, well. Now I lost my train of thought. I had a question lined up. It was a good one, too. What do you got? Well, I mean, it's it's fascinating. So I wanted to know what's holding back the advancement. Like, obviously, it's speeding up as well. But I And I don't even know how this is, how to ask this question. But with with all the tech giants and all the censorship that's going on and all the fake news and, and basically things always getting put out there, you know, you got to be careful of everything you hear is out of context. I mean, is that holding, is that holding this back or how does that play into this Western magic or is that a form of it itself? Yeah. I mean, well, from a certain angle, everything's magic, right? Because yeah. magic is just about human intention and how humans are trying to change reality around them. So really that is a definition that includes basically everything that human beings do. Uh, in terms of tech, we have these systems for the control of consciousness that are more powerful and more advanced than anything that has ever existed in human history yeah. that are controlled by a few individuals, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, so on and so forth. Um, and that's a shocking power uh, imbalance. I think that in terms of what's holding the development of magical consciousness back, or let's just say people taking this stuff seriously, and actually, I'll put it this way, actually taking it seriously as a skill they have to learn just like you would becoming a doctor instead of just a style affectation. I mean, magic is about the same amount of work as becoming a practicing doctor. It's not you just buy the right clothes off of Etsy and jewelry and now you're a magician. Uh, those are not the same thing. So it would be like, you know, getting sexy doctor costume off of Amazon and wearing that and now you're a doctor. Sorry, kids, it doesn't work like that. Uh, no matter how loud you shout about it on social media, that doesn't change anything. Um, but I think that the biggest, this is what I'll say right now is the easiest time ever to get into this stuff. The best time ever to be into this stuff because the information availability and the, the, the possibility to openly exchange information. It's also the hardest time in history to be into this stuff because of distraction, because of electronic saturation and the fact that it's an all, you know, to, just to be able to develop meditative consciousness is quite hard when you have your phone beeping at you and Amazon Alexa and your computer and the, the dread that you have to clean your email out and so on and so forth. So and a job that you have to fucking go to for 10 hours a day or whatever. That's right. That's right. Although that too, you know, if you're that too, all of these things can be turned to your advantage. You know, a job can be a, a um, an immensely maturing thing. And I think that working a day job can be quite helpful to a lot of people into the, the occult and magic because it keeps them grounded and it forces them to um, learn how to interact with other people and matrices of power. I think there's a, there's a positive aspect to the whole social media part too. I mean, even if people are, you know, buying the gear and pretending in a certain way, I think it's at least it's bringing awareness and maybe, you know, the fake it till you make it thing is, is, is somewhat real. Fake it till and, you make it seems and I mean, to work even, a little Even bit. if people go to yoga for the wrong reason, they're going to get something out of it in the end. I think it's planting a seed or, you know, they're, they're, it's the just. Accidentally. And, yeah. Anything, I think anything down that, that path, I think is, is there's, there's a positive aspect too. But then at some point that, it becomes true. less, you know, at some point they, as that's happening, they're transitioning into the person that isn't that anymore at the same time. Just the act of, you know, I think anyway, once they make that transition to it being more meaningful, then they would. 
Yeah, well, that's it's that it's that line of logic that you just explained that is why I teach publicly. If I didn't think that, you know, I'm not under the illusion that everyone who hears anything I have to say or sees my stuff online is going to, you know, suddenly take their spiritual development seriously. But um, it's I I'm also why would I not use the most powerful tools in human history to reach people when my ancestors never had those, you know, that doesn't make sense either. So, you know, if a few, it's, it's, you know, if it, if it works for some people and if the people who take it and just like I started, if they go into it, you know, when I first started with magic, I went in cynically and even sarcastically where I wanted to disprove it and show that it wasn't real so I could laugh at it. And that's not what happened. I found out um, I was dealing with something far different than what I thought. Uh, and here I am now. So um, I'm not, I, I don't hold such a low opinion of people that I can't in the, at the end of the day, trust that things will work out as they're supposed to. Yeah. And I feel like it would, it would be a dick move also to be like, oh, well, I know all this stuff about how to spiritually mature and be a happier and healthier human being, but you guys are not cool enough for me to tell you. Like, that's, that's fucked up, you yeah, know? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's an ego. That's, that's a pretty dick move, judgmental, so. yeah. So are you surprised at the success of your book or were you expecting, expecting that? I, no, I, I honestly really am. And I'm super, super grateful for it. I don't mean that in like a cheesy, like, oh, I'm so grateful way, <laughs> but I really am because you know, I took three years to write this book. It's a pretty obscure topic. Elizabethan history, John D, the occult roots of empire, the occult side of life. I thought like, honestly, I thought maybe like 20 people would buy it, you know, who are into the subject anyways and be like, oh, that's an okay book, whatever. But actually like it's got, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people are reading it and I'm, I'm really, I really am touched by that. And it, I think it's a great sign that people want to know, you know, and that's one thing that I've learned, by the way, going for going, deciding to talk about this stuff in public is that people want to know the average person is very sincerely interested in this and it's people you would never expect. So who am I to say, well, you know, you can't join my secret goth club. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you really stuck, struck a chord too, because you don't, it, it mixes the magic part of it and the, and that whole John D and, and, um, the British empire and it connects, it kind of connects us to the current, current, um, state of global affairs. It's, it's pretty, pretty mind blowing. So I, I think it, it, the timing for that kind of historical knowledge it was pretty good as well. Thanks. Well, I, I mean, it's, it really is the, 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 it's the occult history of the last 500 years of the Western world. And it is the history that's been kept from people and hasn't been told in the history. You know, you don't learn it in school. You don't learn that the the reason that the you know Europe conquered the whole world is because <clears throat> angels told an alchemist that it would be a good idea, right? They don't tell you that in high school. Yet it actually makes has a lot of explanatory power in terms of looking at the world. I think that when we look at the world through the lens of spirituality, it actually makes quite a lot more sense than if we look at it through like you know, an economic model or something like that. Although we have to look at both. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it was crazy to me to see that all this, it's like all that information was there. It was sitting in academic papers and things like that, but you know, people weren't connecting the dots and they weren't talking about it. And so for me, it's important that people understand where, you know, what reality is, where they've come from, what their spirit, spiritual heritage is, 
they need to understand why the people who have been in power have constructed the world the way that they've constructed it and that then not told them they need to know that so they can make their own decisions about it that's yeah. that's how i feel yeah fantastic well I mean, we should probably dig into that a little bit. It's, we can't just leave that leave that as a teaser because it's pretty mind blowing. And um, you know, I know you've talked about your book, you know, hundreds of times. But let's let's try and get into some of that for people and that haven't heard it already. And I appreciate you, you know, sort of talking about everything at a more of a higher level. And but I think we should probably hit that a little bit. And I, I want to also talk about your your magic me courses and anything else you want to get into before we run out of time as well. Sure. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm up so for Darren, anything. do you have any questions about this? So, like, we can start with. I mean, John D was was uh, in the Elizabethan court. I don't know if "court" is the right word, but he came up with the yep. term "British Empire," and he was like, "This was the start of the, you know, like he said, Europe taking over the world." And I mean, it's like, I mean, it, it's hard to. It almost, I almost when I when I hear you talk about it, I almost have the sense of like. Was it a good thing? Like, was this, was it, because it's hard to, for me to believe that angels would come down and, and, and tell somebody to do something purely evil. But I mean, the takeover of, of like what they did was, wasn't, wasn't very good, but like, so was it, well, maybe it's hard to judge, right? Well, yeah. I mean, how do you judge, you know, all of the effects of hundreds of years of history? It's, yeah. it's impossible, right? yeah. particularly since we're, we're living in history. We don't know the, the final outcome of these things. You know, we're not that far away from these events in history. We're, and we're living in the ricochet or the, uh, the echo from them. Yeah. We're living in the blast radius of the birth of the British Empire, uh, particularly Canada, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we just got our independence. Uh, nice. But I think we we still but, do something. Yeah, hate speech is still disallowed here, so we're we're still in the. And shadow. there's still like the judges, like when you go to court, it's still the queen's bench, and still called fucking crown land. <laughs> so do you guys re- you guys realize that if uh, history had gone slightly different, then Canada would have been owned by John D. Oh, I don't know. That would have been probably. What was he going to do with the Indians? <laughs> I don't know. But, well, he wanted he wanted to convert everyone to. Uh, Christianity. That was kind of the idea. So I don't What's know if it would that much different. Right. Not much different. <laughs> Sounds like more <laughs> residential schools. Right. Oh, hey. Um, well, maybe I should just tell the story. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That does sound like a good one. So, um, okay. So, so John, who was John D? So Dr. D was a mathematician, scientist, and occultist who lived in the 16th century. And he was the uh, he was the court astrologer and scientific advisor to Elizabeth I, and he spent his entire life trying to discover all the secrets that were available in the world, which for him meant mathematics, optics, physics, and the occult. And for him, they were all the same thing. He wanted to discover a super science. He wanted to know everything. He wanted to know the mind of God. And he claimed that... You know, as time went on, he got more and more into practical magic, and he did say that uh, an angel, the Archangel Michael, allegedly gave him the phrase British Empire and the idea that there should be a British Empire, and he then propagandized for this greatly, and it convinced the Queen that this should be the case, and then laid out all the technical schematics of how to do this. And the thing about Canada was that he was the mastermind behind Uh, Sir Francis Drake's circumnavigation of South America to get to the West Coast, which had never been done before. 
Drake landed in San Francisco and then returned to England. Uh, he landed at Drake's Bay in slightly north of San Francisco. But D had a contract with him that if he went further north, that everything, I believe, north of the 51st parallel or 52nd parallel would have belonged to D, meaning he would have had Canada. But wow. uh, Drake just didn't go that far. Um, but D believed that the mythology, and this is where it becomes apocalyptic, uh, but he then spent 10 years fully engaged in occult rituals to speak to angels because he thought that he'd learned everything he could from the the world, from worldly authorities and books, and the only way to get more knowledge would be to talk to the angels. And what the angels told him, among, among many other things, is that there should be there should be a world Christian empire underneath Elizabeth instead of the Pope, and that the angels themselves would use this world empire to create a new uh, super religion for all of humanity, uniting all religions on the planet uh, underneath their domination, and that this would then be used to save the souls of everyone on earth in preparation for the second coming. So, you know, when you mention things like the presidential schools and stuff like that, I mean, this was the result of this empire and things like the, the treatment of the uh, you know, Aborigines and Aboriginals in Australia and the, the Bengali famine in India. I mean, the British Empire, the death count on the British Empire was far greater than anything in World War, you know, the, anything in Nazi Germany even. So there's quite a tragic shadow that follows this. And we're still living in the shadow of it because even though the British Empire has basically fallen apart and just become the Commonwealth, the American Empire inherits is the spiritual successor of it and inherits all of the military and spiritual um, story, the military power and perhaps the spiritual story of the British Empire. And so we can see things happening now, like the bombing of Syria, like the, and particularly the move of the Israeli embassy to Jerusalem as further chess moves in this multi-century plan to cause the apocalypse and thereby the second coming at gunpoint, even though the rest of the world, you know, the non-monotheistic cultures never had a say in it. Uh, and that for me is the true explanatory uh, myth of the, this is what we're all living in. You know, like when you get into magic, you can ask, well, what kind of magic do goths at the mall do? Well, that's interesting, but I want to know what type of magic do the people in power do? Exactly. And I, I think that's kind of the deal. So what I meant before, I want to clarify that. I wasn't saying that, that you know, it was hard to judge whether that was good or not. I guess what I was trying to to express was, was, the, was his mission correct or like did he misinterpret the intention or did he get it wrong you know did he did he get this message and then fuck it all up and and take try and take over the world like you know i mean you could you could say the message of a, a super religion could be a Science. positive thing if if you know if everybody was you know not forced to believe in the same thing but at least brought together i mean it's it's you know what i mean or did he or was it like you know take over the world like like he like they did i mean that's pretty crazy well, I have to say that in, you know, I'm, I can't say that I'm a historian. I mean, I've written a history book, but I wouldn't necessarily call myself a historian. But in writing history, I think that I, it's probably part of my job to not make 
um, speculation to say to say one way or the other because yeah, even yeah. if i did it would only you know i can but it would yeah. still only be my opinion yeah, right exactly. it's only yeah. one person's opinion yeah but I th- but I should point out that it's not like Dee directly accomplished any of this stuff. In fact, when he was kind of going around England and then Europe on the continent doing everything that he could along with Edward Kelly, his, his scryer, to interest all the monarchs in this plan, they tried to get the Holy, they tried to get Elizabeth into it. They tried to get the Holy Roman Emperor Maximilian into it. And everyone kind of dismissed him. He was kind of like this ranting, <laughs> kooky Terrence McKenna guy, like, oh yeah, like angels are going to come down and, you know, it's going to be great. Um, and they just laughed at him, but they did take his ideas and then executed on them. But that was mostly after he was dead. And it's so. So the power is in the ideas, not the man. Right. So I think that D himself thought that all of this, I mean, he was, he was a hardcore Christian in the 16th century. You know, that was reality for him. It's not, he didn't really have any vantage point on that outside of that reality tunnel. He didn't have the luxury that we, that luxury that we have today. So I think that D was completely sincere and fully believed that, all of this was necessary and a good thing. And, but really it wasn't really, see, but that's the thing. I mean, it's not really about D it's more about the messages that he was getting and then how those impacted history after yeah. his death. D yeah. is really just kind of a conduit for that information. I don't know if I might have, have my timing, right. But was that the Genesis to the separation of the church and state a little later on? Well, yes, because one of D's other plans was that America should be, uh, a spiritual utopia that people that the Protestant dissenters should be able to go to America and, you know, which also had his horrific, of course, horrific colonial shadow, but he thought that it should become uh, a place of free thought away from the Catholic church. And then of course what happened was, you know, genocide when, when Europeans came to America. Um, but his, his thought, and then it was later picked up by Francis Bacon was that, you know, church and state should be separated that, uh, that, you know, free thinkers would have to leave Europe and go to the new world, uh, to do that. And that, uh, it was imperative for the Protestant powers, meaning England and the Netherlands to do that before the Catholic bloc did mm. right before Spain did. And that was, as I call it in the book, the cold war for the new world. Wow. So do you want to get into, can we get into his process a little bit with Edward Kelly? Sure. And, and, yeah. let's, and let Darren, unless you have any no, questions. No, about, yeah. I think that, so the process was, so D was, you know, he was a hardhead is the phrase we use in occult circles, which a hardhead is somebody who's so compulsively rational and wants everything explained to them that they can't get out of their own way long enough to actually just have an experience and let something happen. Uh, and, uh, so D was the hard head. He was kind of like, uh, you know, uh, he was a mathematician and all this. He was hyper compulsively rational, which meant that even though he, he'd had this longstanding interest in the occult, he couldn't do it, right? He could do the ritual part of it, but he couldn't experience visions or anything like that. It just wasn't going to happen for him. So what he had to do is employ kind of psychics who were of a different class than him. And, you know, it was a big cultural divide between him and the average scryer, mm. you know, D, somebody who's a, a, you know, an apparatchik of the Elizabethan court, scryers tended to be, I would say, of the same social position as 
kind of people like street corner psychics now, psychics who have just psychic shops in, around neighborhoods. And you see them, but you don't really even notice they're there because psychics are so low on the social hierarchy in our culture. Uh, that was kind of the deal with Scryers. So he had to work. So he, he had to work with Scryers. And he, it wasn't until he met Edward Kelly, who was a Scryer who'd been accused of necromancy and summoning demons and all this crazy stuff, but had this tremendous psychic gift and ability to see visions that you really started making progress. And so the working method was basically deep praying at length for the angels to give them knowledge and talking about, uh, and then as time went on doing more precise ritual procedures and then Kelly going into an altered state of consciousness by staring into a crystal ball and then saying what he was seeing. But these sessions went on uh, again, almost a decade. And the first two or three years of the sessions are the angels just telling them how to make better contact by building uh, ritual equipment, which was to facilitate that contact and then giving them the Enochian language, which was supposed to be the uh, language spoken by angels uh, before the fall from the garden of Eden. Wow. So what were some of the things that convinced him at that time that Edward was the guy? He was, so this is contentious. I think that he was pretty, he was pretty quickly convinced because Kelly was telling him and delivering him messages that answered a lot of the questions that he had and lined up with books that he had read prior grimoires he had read. Now this is kind of a sticky one because this also suggests that Kelly could have just been reading books in Dee's library and parroting back information. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of parts of these sessions where it's really hard to say what the deal is. Uh, you know, there's parts where it seems like Kelly could be making it up. There's it, they, uh, people, historians have said that these were uh, cryptography sessions, that they were engaged in intelligence work and were, were masking it in cryptographic form as occult information. Uh, it's possible that Kelly was mentally ill or there was there were substances involved, although I didn't see any evidence of that in the diaries, maybe a little bit. But uh, it's it's a it's it's a mystery, but it's also not clean cut. There's a lot of ways you can look at that stuff and say, OK, th there's, you know, what's going on here, particularly by the end when Kelly decides to tell Dee that the angels have told him that they should swap wives and that this would be a really great idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's the point where it's like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> that's hilarious. So what about the building, the ritual equipment? Like, is there, is there examples of exactly what that was? Is that, is that like scrying equipment and stuff like that? Yeah. It's basically like the world's most complicated Ouija board. It's this immensely elaborate, uh, altar on which a crystal ball is meant to sit, which involves a lot of writing from the Enochian language. And it took them, yeah, probably three years to get the instructions on how to do it and then how to build it, at which point they then left England and went to Europe to go into the next phase of the work, which was trying to, you know, the angels, after they delivered all this, told them that they needed to go to the Holy Roman Emperor, tell him he was possessed by demons, <laughs> and that his only hope for salvation would be immediately repenting and doing everything that the angels said at which point he would be made emperor of the world. Oh my God. Uh, so they act, they actually went and actually told him this, uh, at which point uh, his response was, well, okay, that's nice. Do you know alchemy? Can you make gold out of lead? Can you make, <laughs> can you, can you make me rich? 
They said, no, but we can make you, you know, we can make you fightings, emperor of the world. And he was just like, all right, I heard it all before. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. But then he later, he did later uh, capture and employ Edward Kelly to make gold for him. Oh, that's interesting. After they refused. Yeah. Stolen scryer for gold. So. Yeah. And Kelly willingly went for it and threw D under the bus to do it. Oh, wow. So what, so did, you know, you mentioned that people stole their ideas and, or at least took took that on is there any examples of you know that that communication and that type of equipment and that being used in other power structures back then like was that sort of catching on and did people start doing that themselves i mean that it must have caused a bit of a stir even him just traveling around europe people must have been like what the you know maybe this guy's onto something even though they don't want to act like he's he's being truthful you know there could be Right. Well, it's very likely that Dean Kelly's travels in Europe um, inspired the creation of the Rosicrucian movement, which was responsible in its own right for the creation of of um, more modern Freemasonry, esoteric Freemasonry, as well as perhaps the scientific revolution, because the Rosicrucian movement laid the groundwork for science to happen. Uh, and of course, people involved in these things were also directly experimenting with Dean Kelly's methods. The most famous one is Elias Ashmole, who was probably the first recorded uh, speculative Freemason, meaning a Freemason that's interested in philosophy instead of just bricklaying. Uh, and there, there's an occult writer named Stephen Skinner, who's and and along with another one named David Rankine, who made a case that this was passed along in the higher echelons of British society, including admirals and uh, lords and things like that, and that this was being done behind closed doors uh, by people who passed it on by hand and by oral instruction for the next couple hundred years. But it's not until the birth of the Hermetical Order of the Golden Dawn, and through them, of course, Aleister Crowley, that uh, it really reemerges into the public consciousness. Huh. So, so that sort of, that's what I was going to ask you next is that sort of more of that connection to our contemporary, um, understanding of this stuff. So that's kind of where it, it ended up going to him and then who know and then, and then who knows where it went after that. Right. I mean, did it go, did it, did it jump over back to the Nazis and all that and Germany and did it come over no. to like, how, how did that get into any. our power structure then? I've never seen any evidence of that, but or even a hint of that. But where it did go was the U.S. space program. Fascinatingly enough, in that Crowley's, uh, you know, most brilliant student, as many know, was named Jack Parsons. He was <laughs> yeah. the guy that created solid-state rocket fuel. He is, you know, one of the people that started, or you know, the initiatory force behind what is now known as NASA's Jet Propulsion Labs. Uh, he was involved in science fiction and rocketry and all of this. And is re- there's a crater named after him on the dark side of the moon. He's the guy that's basically responsible for creating the modern space program, or is there at the very beginning, at least. Yeah. And he was full-on engaged in this stuff and doing it pretty balls to the wall, yeah. which is another bizarre angle on how this stuff intersects history. Yeah, yeah. And when so when was that? What was that timeline like then? Uh, 1940s, 1940s, 1940s. So. yeah. During and after the war, but I mean, then see, that's what's weird about it is then then you had um, Nazis come over and go into NASA too. So there, there's probably crossover afterwards with JP, right. Jack Parsons, and all that. And they were working with Werner von Braun, um, 
uh, at JPL and things like that. That's a whole other side of history that I'm really fascinated with now after finishing this book. <laughs> is oh, man, the, Nazis yeah. are a rabbit hole. Holy fuck. Yeah, that's another <laughs> rabbit hole. Maybe you guys can decide if we want to go there or not. But. Oh, we want to go there. Yep. We don't need to go there so, right now, but we can well, go there right now. That, well, yeah. I mean, Nazis can, I, are, can I just say like a few things about this? Yeah, yeah oh, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Man. Yeah, we want to get into that late, a little bit oh, more man. as well. So, yeah, for sure. I, am I, was, I found this book on Amazon. That. Oh, my God. it's That's a whole other. So this is not real. So I should just preface by saying this is absolutely not related really whatsoever unless some smoking document shows up to anything I've just been talking about. <laughs> Enochian is very much and and magic in general, by the way, is very much about the English. It's about the Anglo and the Anglo-American empire. Um, but the, so I found this book on Amazon called the, the Nazi Hydra in America. Which is this huge history of the links between the U.S. and Nazi governments, and there is some shocking shit in that yeah, book. Exactly. Oh yeah, man! I'm in the. My I, God. I've read a couple of Fourth Reich ones, and I bet you there's a ton of crossover. There is. Well, maybe you can fill in what I don't know. But like, so for instance, things I've read in there. One is the extent to which American industrialists uh, financed and supported the Nazis. Oh, yeah. And even to the point where, so the one that a lot of people know is that the eugenics policies of Nazi Germany were developed in California actually. And a lot of them by Margaret Sanger, who yeah. founded Planned Parenthood, yeah. Right, yeah. which people don't like to talk about. <laughs> uh, but there were plans for, you know, sterilizations of people and the shocking thing by the way i can say i can say this as a journalist because i actually reported on this about three or four years ago um you know there were your eugenics policies in california to sterilize uh, minority women starting in the 20s and 30s but they didn't stop two or three years ago there were story a story was broken by the it was either ProPublica or no it was the center for investigative journalism or center for investigative reporting where they were still doing this in prisons in California, where anytime any African-American women went in for um, surgery or any type of medical procedure, including teeth cleaning, they would wake up with their tubes tied. Whoa. So they were still, they're still doing this and may still be doing it now that the spotlight's off them. That tends to be how it works. Um, but those policies were all developed in California and the Nazis directly patterned a lot of the concentration stuff, uh, concentration camp stuff, off of things that have been developed in California. But even sh more shockingly, and I can validate this based on articles that were in The Guardian, by the way, so this is not like conspiracy theory stuff. Prescott Bush was directly funding Hitler, uh, of course, being George, uh, George Bush's uh, father, the first Bush, and George W. Bush's grandfather. And he was also profiting off of concentration camp labor. Yeah, same with, wasn't it, I think, Ford was tied in there too, right? Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With all the, I mean, he was this, a lot of Hitler's anti-Semitic stuff came from Henry Ford. And he wrote that, that book and all of that. And then it's like, so you look at like the way a lot of the forthright stuff in that goes is that basically that's where, you know, the Nazis already knew they were losing the war. So they, they switched everything and took all their stolen loot and used that to kind of, they realized that the world was going to be won economically and not by the point of a gun. And then you take a look at the, I mean, if you look at the first European fucking council or whatever the fuck they call it, the first European union that came, whatever is it? 53 or something like that. Take a look at that. 
and take a look at what the fucking Nazis wanted to do with Europe when they were done with it. And it's the exact same thing. And take a look at who was in charge of the fucking thing. I can't remember his name right now, but he was the fucking Nazi that was planning it fucking 15 or 10 years prior. Oh, that's crazy. But also, and like, take but a look at who they... runs the EU now. Right. There's no hey, fucking. There's no, well, I I'm not going that far. <laughs> Germany's in charge of the European Union. That's exactly what the Nazis wanted to do with Europe is have it. They have Germany be the economic powerhouse of Europe. You know what else they laid in speaking of Europe, Swedish pop music. The Nazis are all over that. So I found this, found this out recently. So as long as we're talking about European stuff, you know, ABBA, right? The, one of the main singers from ABBA was part of the, the Ubermenschen program where they were, they were trying to make superhumans between uh, SS officers and I guess like super fine German women. Wow. Uh, she was one of the people that came out of that. And they were all, they all, the ones that survived the war basically went underground, but continued to have meetings where they were plotting, you know, the, the Ubermensch overthrow of the rest of the world, but also Ace of Base, I just found out recently, used to be a neo-Nazi band. And or the guy that's one of the guys that's the guy who started it, the guy who masterminded Ace of Base used to be a neo-Nazi and then got insanely rich from Ace of Base and then used all that money to get into this position where he's like the head of communications for like all these big marketing firms and like directly involved in policy and the developing world and all of this stuff. It's the Vice did an article about it. It's shocking, but it's the same in the U.S. where like oh, they Operation Paperclip, they brought in all these Nazis into the government after the war. And then, of course, you know, we know now post Ferguson uh, much more about how much uh, neo-Nazis and skinheads will join the police to directly get into positions where they can do Nazi stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's if you go down that rabbit hole far enough. You can get into the thing where, where I mean, America is was basically, you know, infiltrated by the Reich, and that it got even, it even got so far to the point that those original group that separated taught themselves. I mean, it gets, it, it's a deep hole. I, I read a novel, and that sent me off because I've always, I've always been a huge World War II buff, a huge Nazi buff. I've watched, I've watched some pretty controversial documentaries on the other side that you have to kind of fact check a lot and you might get 10 minutes of truth out of an hour and a half of crazy shit. But then I read a novel and that got me going down because I hadn't really, I hadn't really looked at that aspect of it so much, but, uh, wow, there's a, there's a bunch of great books out there. Jim Mars has a good one. Uh, I'm kind of scared to go too far down the rabbit hole because oh, then I'll, yeah. I'll know too much. Oh, but did, yeah. you, did you actually, you know what though? I'll say this. Did you see Captain America, the Winter Soldier? No, I, I didn't fucking did. play that shit no yeah, more. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I just rewatched this recently. Yeah. I remember watching it when it came out, but I rewatched this. I was after reading this book and they get that whole history in there. I mean, that whole movie is about like, oh, like after the war ended, Hydra agents infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. and now they run the U.S. government. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, how did they oh. get away with getting this movie? Now out? I gotta Somebody watch this. What? Yeah, well, gotta watch yeah. This. somebody in there know. Yeah. I mean, somebody's got to know, know all that. Yeah, yeah. And it's then, crazy. And then I think we were talking. To, was it when we were talking with Walter Bosley or or John or Farrell? I'm not sure which one, but they're talking about the Argentina connection and then how those Bosley, scientists came no, back was, uh, or the politicians came back into the U.S. government. Now I don't remember names either, but it got it went deeper than the NASA connections as well. What's a NASA? In NASA, NASA. Yeah. Is it NASA? 
What uh, about the Clintons? Are the Clintons connected? Come on, Jason, let's wheel that. I don't in. know. I got to finish. I got to finish the book. Okay. Who knows? Well, here's here's my question, right? Like, you know, like Robert Anton Wilson, right? Always used to say, you know, after researching conspiracy theories for decades, people would always ask him, well, who's really in charge? And he would say conspiracies are real, but there's always like 64 of them operating at any given time. And they're all competing with each other. And I think that's probably true. He would basically say, like, well, let's talk about how power operates, right? You, you analyze your local PTA meeting, right? I don't know if you guys call them PTA meetings in, in Canada, Parent yeah, Teachers Association. Yeah. yeah, okay. So, like, you think about all the, the politics there and the backbiting and the little, like, schemes that go on and the conspiracies, and then you just blow that up to geopolitics level. I mean, that's what I want to know. Like, what are the real sides? What are they actually fighting for? And do they even actually know what they're fighting for? Like, I can imagine that people may be taking actions and just have no idea. Everybody just has their own little agenda. Fucking is that a mess. I mean, that's I go back and forth from that, too, because sometimes I'll get fed up with the whole thing. And I'm just like, it's just a bunch of dummies thinking, they, you know, there's no grand scheme. I really don't think these people are capable of it. But when you got all the money and all the power, then I think, you know, I've never had that. So that probably changes things. Well, and then when you make all those connections that we were just talking about yeah, with the gets... end of the war and the, and the infiltration of, of the U S really at, at a high level. And now, now what's happening in Europe, like it does make you wonder. I mean, it does make it seem like everything's all connected. Go to fucking Portland for a weekend. Too. I mean, you could, you could, you could, <laughs> you could, uh, you could approach that in your next book with the mat from the magic side, you know, with the Nazis and, the, and their, uh, I'd their occult, that, their occult practices. I mean, there's, there is, you know, there's a Ooh, lot to that as well. Such a touchy it's subject. Topical right again. Yeah. Touchy. Well, there's a new book coming out called, I think it's called dark. It's all the, it's called dark star rising or dark magic rising by Gary Lockman. I'm going to have him on my podcast, but it's all about like the, the modern neo-Nazi occult stuff. So that's probably a good one. But I'll say this, right, in terms of like occult conspiracies and the people in power and where their heads are at. So when I was 19, my my first summer back from college, uh, I got a summer job uh, at a beach club. I was making eight dollars an hour and working as a cabana boy with like little David Hasselhoff short shorts and oh a boy. red polo. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it, was, okay. it was, I got it. When, when was this? Was it in it the nineties or nineties or eighties? Uh, this would have, let me think about this. This would have been, it was before, it was the summer before nine 11. Okay, okay. Right. Yeah, so it was, yeah. it, I guess it would have been the summer of 2001. He's eighties. Okay. No, no, I didn't say eighties. I said nineties. Oh, I'm like, pretty sure you said eighties. No, no, I said nineties. You're the only yeah. one in the room that was wearing short shorts in the eighties, bro. <laughs> it was a more innocent time. But, um, uh, and so it was the, this beach club was for the richest people in the Southwest of the U S. So there were all these people who were like Vanderbilts and Rockefellers and stuff like that. And I'll say a couple things about this one, not one of those motherfuckers tipped me all summer, wow. all summer. The like, these they are people who have inherited money. millions. Those are the kind of people they never have cash on them. Well, that, yeah, see, it's all tied up in retirement accounts. Uh, you and know, I, yeah, I could pull out some money. Yeah. Come on. Can you just grab lunch? Right, exactly. So my job was to bring them towels and um, food. And, you know, when I got out of the ocean, I would bring them towels. It was kind of a humiliating job, but it was fascinating because I got to observe them. And this is what I saw. Those fucks have nothing in their heads. They would get up every morning. I would set up their, along with the rest of the crew, we would set up their uh, like, like pool chairs in front of the ocean. They would go sit and stare at the ocean all day long doing crosswords while people brought, while we brought them martini 
after martini and then they would go to bed and then they would wake up and do it the next day and they all like had long teeth they all look like kind of inbred kennedy family type you know old money and they did nothing so if those people are you know those people were not capable of you know uh, uh buying a car on their own <laughs> you don't think they went to their hotel know. room afterwards and planned the demise of the world after dinner maybe their grandparents <laughs> maybe their their, you know <laughs> here's the thing maybe their grandparents did Maybe they really did, but I think, you know, once you get down to the third generation of old money, it's got to be like, you got to be a lazy motherfucker, man. <laughs> a lot of diminishing. Hampered, you know, it's just, yeah, I don't know. And, and plus, you, like he said, I mean, I'm not going to say it, but, you know, you're trying to keep that money tight. You don't want that money getting too far. So it's like, hey, she's only a third cousin. No, that's true. So, okay. So that's a great jumping off point. Cause I talked to a, a friend of mine had ended up spending, who's like involved in blockchain stuff had ended up talking to a lot of like super old money, like no, noble families in England. And he said, I was asking him like, what's their opinion on money. Right. And the example that he gave was, you know, they would bring out toast for the guests and then they would get jam, but they would s just perfectly spread jam in like quadrants over the toast so they wouldn't use any more than utterly necessary the reason being that people at that level if it's inherited money then they're living off of dividends of investments right so the the longer and they're not working for more money so the longer they spread what they have out the longer they get to stay in their position of privilege but it's at the point where like they wouldn't fix their clothes there would be cobwebs on the chairs it's like this kind of like dark shadows type set up where they do everything they can not to spend money because that's how they got rich, I guess. <laughs> you know? wow. And they, they don't want to lose the money. So that's, that's a crazy mindset to be in. I could use a little of that mindset. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we should have such problems, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So do you want to get into a little bit about your, what you, your magic taught me if, or stuff like that, that you're working with hey, before on, we or? jump into that, let's, yeah. uh, let's say, let's actually build on that a little bit. Is have you come across any, any magic towards money and stuff like that? I mean, is there any, is there any tricks with that that you've come across? Yeah, sure. Of course. It's just like everything, you know, I think that, well, let's see, what's my answer to this? Um, self-knowledge is a big one because especially in our modern world, getting clear, especially with well as you guys know right because you have this podcast and all of this stuff it's like the internet provides us tools to turn our passions into our work mm. right in a way that hasn't you know it's like it, it, so i think yeah. that if you're able to look to some extent <laughs> right or it's like but if, you know if you're willing to go out on a limb yeah absolutely right so we have you know like amazon cloud services that was not available to people you can create and scale a business off of cloud services now where it used to cost millions and millions of dollars even right, google right. analytics Google Analytics is a tool that companies paid two or three million dollars just to get access to, not specifically that, but things like that prior to all these free tools coming out and they wouldn't even use it correctly. So uh, the amount of power that's out there to create something and turn it into your work is tremendous, assuming you have access to that level of information technology, which not everyone does, right? Sorry. Um, so I think that it's kind of, Man, well, it's just like anything, you know, like Crowley said, what's the magical way to open a door? It's to go over and turn the handle, right? And so I look at, you know, business and all of that. You know, I used to work on Madison Avenue, all this stuff, 
like I take it everything seriously as a magical system. And I think that the tools are out there to basically do whatever you want, assuming you can convince people to pay for it. But, you know, I know people who live off their podcasts where they have have, um, you know, subscriber areas and things like that. Of course, it takes, you know, I, I'm nowhere near that with my podcast, but it takes a lot of, of work to get there. But the tools are there. Uh, but it's it's about mindset and it's about more than mindset. I think it's about finding what you truly have that people really want you know it's like, kind of like finding your true core passion what about in a practical business sense like let's say you're running a business and it's not doing very well but it has the potential but it's maybe slipping through your fingers or slipping out of control like well, how would you change your mindset to to manifesting just better business um well first i would look at the analytics you know, like there's look no at the analytics. analytics. Yeah. No analytics. <laughs> That's the problem. Okay. There's your first problem. <laughs> you got to measure everything, measure everything and then plug the holes. And for me, it's basically like figure out what's working, figure out what's not working, cut what's not working and then double down on what is working. Right. right. That, that, that's business optimization, I think, in, yeah. in my opinion. And that's yeah. a hard, especially if what you're doing as, you know, as what I am is and what you guys are doing is like an extension of your personality and as a labor of love, it's really hard to say, well, I'm just going to cut that part of, part of my personality off because it's not working financially, you know, but that's, um, but that's, that's how I approach it, you know? Yeah. It's a numbers game. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't referring to our creative endeavors here, but just, it, just, you know, business in just, general, I, I, business I, I, in I, general, you know, or, which, cause it's interesting how business like if you're in business and it's not your passion it's a different thing than if you're trying to create something out of your passion it's um totally well yeah. then it just becomes a job right and then yeah. your passion's not in it and it shows yeah 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 does it show but, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> but I, I do think that it's more you know i have i also have a course on blockchain technology which oh. is at bitcoininsider.io uh, which is about use, you know leveraging cryptocurrency and blockchain technologies. I think that on one hand, we have access to so many technologies for wealth generation now, and yet things are moving so fast that so many people are going to be left behind. Yeah. And the curve, this the accelerate the curve of acceleration is going forward so fast that we're going to be in a pretty crazy situation pretty soon. And I worry just having spent so much time around tech people and seeing how they think. You know, I, I worry that the powers that be, as it were, and that doesn't mean conspiratorial, but I mean like corporations, corporations like Amazon, Central places like banks. Well, I would say more the tech world. I don't, cause I don't, just cause I don't know anything about central banks enough to say, talk about it intelligently, but I worry that the tech world has essentially figured out how to ob make people obsolete. Yeah. You know, and that we're just going to end up in a situation. This is why they're talking about universal basic income. We're going to end up in a situation within 10, 15, 20 years at the most where there aren't any jobs. And there's talking about with artificial intelligence, even white collar jobs. I mean, lawyer, journalist, my job, you know, like anything uh, could potentially be handled by an AI. Not podcasting. Yeah, probably uh, who could. Knows? Well, well you heard about this Google Voice thing where you can, there's this new tool that Google has where it can make calls, phone calls to people for you and it sounds like a human being. <laughs> I heard about that. It could fool like eight out of 10 people or something like that. So I wonder if they'd fool me. You know, 
it does. I, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it doesn't fool me because it calls me about three, four times a month and offers me a $250,000 small business loan. <laughs> Is that, that, that's actually what it does. Yeah. And then there's another one that offers to put me on the front page of Google for a fee. This oh, is I your local Google representative. Wow. I wonder that if that's AI. Oh, maybe it is. It must be, right? But it just sounds like a recording to me. Okay. I must be, well, I must be woke. Yeah. It's all that. It's all that. PC bud. all that green. Yeah. I'll try cussing at it next time. See what it does. <laughs> ask it. Ask it uh, complicated questions about your life ask it you just just end up on the phone for like three hours with the google (laughs) ai (laughs) right you go out on the back porch and blow your head off (laughs) oh man that's that's you say that but you just wait just wait i mean i talk to my alexa like it's a person you know we try here we have uh a guy in the chats that just said he lost his job to a machine that's a shame it is a tough one. I mean, how are we going to, how is it going to, I mean, losing your job really? ain't so bad if you can, if the problem is the create, cause I can see this whole wave of creative, you know, I can see a future where, where most people are doing something for themselves, but that's but, not going to catch up. It's in not really time. sustainable be a, either because there's going to be a, a point when you reach a tipping point where, you know, you need to produce something right to, to consume in a way. Or, yeah, but or, you're producing, everyone's going to producing their own thing. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, like Jason was talking about podcasts and books and everything else, it's going to be like more of that and more like, I don't know, it's going to be weird. Like, I think that's the future. And if you've got, I mean, you could almost look at that as a positive if everyone has a universal basic income somehow, and then they've got, they've got the freedom to go after it or not even go after it. They're just doing it. That's what you do. I mean, some people are going to do better than others. But nobody's starving. I mean, right. well, that could be a good future. But yeah, I mean, if the machine knows? tells me to shoot myself, that's a bad future. That's a bad future. But yeah, in terms of my money magic advice, I mean, it's basically that figure out how to use technology to do what you want to do and have it work for you instead of against you because people are just going to get crushed under the wheels of progress. I wish I could sugarcoat that. But I think that's what's going to happen, you know, and then they're going to be dependent on universal basic income Learn if that happens. Goes. And I'm not convinced they're actually going to do that. You know, I think they're saying that so people don't riot. So, you know, what's the, once what's, they figure out what's that's happening. A, when, well, they're saying that until they get your guns. Uh, yeah, well. And then once they get their guns, go. they're like, no universal income, motherfuckers. <laughs> you guys can eat each other. So Here's, what, some, Oxy, here's some Oxycontin. Yeah, 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 exactly. What's your, what's a, What's the future of blockchain outside of currency? Um, well, that's hard to say. Okay, here's my thoughts on it. That's hard to say because there's so much bullshit and hype about it right now. My take on it is that blockchain right now is like the web was in like 1996, where everyone was like, Ooh. whoa, there's this worldwide internet coming. Ooh. And and everyone is like, oh, we, everyone's got to have a website. And so people are throwing millions of dollars around, if you remember at this time, to people just to make websites for them that didn't even work. But people haven't, hadn't really figured out what the web was, and they didn't figure it out until around the early 2000s after the dot-com crash. Mm. So I think we're in a big hype cycle that there will be a bubble burst in the next year or so or two years. But that after that, whoever is the big player in the space, whoever the Google and Amazon of blockchain is, is going to dominate the world probably. 
Uh, and there's a lot of the uses of blockchain, by the way, are not money. It's not creating more. It's not cryptocurrency. It's doing things like recording supply chain transactions and even doing things like law, doing things like um, real estate escrow, because you can use the blockchain to transfer property between people without having a third party. The real promise of blockchain is tr is trusted transactions without voting? a third party. Voting? Yeah, voting. Voting. They're doing it in places like Estonia already, I think. Really? Eh? Wow, that's crazy. Some countries will be ahead of others. Happen. Some countries will be ahead of others, and you'll vote on a whole bunch of different issues, and you'll just, you know, everybody will plug right in and see how that see how that works. Is it unhackable yeah. then? Uh, in theory, it is. Yeah, because the thing about blockchain is that a blockchain is being run by hundreds of thousands or perhaps millions of computers all over the world, and they're all coming to consensus that all their data is the same every 10 minutes or so, depending on the actual blockchain product. Hmm. So in theory, in order to hack the blockchain, you would have to hack every single computer running the blockchain and alter the information identically within a 10 minute window. So for instance, to hack Bitcoin, you would have to hack tens of millions of computers within a 10 to 30 minute period all simultaneously and change every single one of them. And to do that, have you would to have to have AI. a... Well, okay. Well, then when that happens, well, so I was going to say that currently you would need an equ at least an equal amount of computing power. So you would need to be running at least 10 million computers to hack 10 million computers. But when we get into something like, yeah, like a, a rogue AI, well, you know, we're not there yet technologically, not by a long shot, but it's a potential future. That's wow. it's exciting. So yet. say a guy broke his phone and he got a new phone. And he had like all his crypto wallets on there. And now he was logged out and he couldn't log back in and he didn't remember his passwords. Oh, and he's do? fucked. That's, hap that's happened to people. People yeah. lost millions that way. Did you like someone just, just threw away just their hard our, drive. Did you just lose our little <laughs> Probably bit of a good idea to stop donating cryptocurrency for a few oh, weeks no. at least. That's, it's just, that's the second time it's gone sideways. Yeah. I'm not good at cryptocurrency. We should even stop. You, don't, you can just write your password into your somewhere on paper somewhere. I, I think I had in it in journal. the notes and I think I deleted it. <laughs> but uh, I suppose we should wrap it up. Yeah, we should let you go, Jason. So what about your, you, anything else you want to talk about about your work, Magic Me or anything like that or your crypto? Like, so I could learn, like I, I could learn crypto uh, stuff from you then or? That's right. So uh, BitcoinInsider.io, which I'm probably going to change the name of shortly because Facebook banned any ads related to Bitcoin. But um, uh, BitcoinInsider.io is the place to go. I've got a full, you know, you know, HD training. It's it's I've got interviews with some of the biggest experts in the field. I will walk you through knowing nothing to being able to absolutely master Bitcoin, blockchain and cryptocurrency. Uh, w within that the space of that course, and that's not only, um, you know, for financial reason. That's that's for, for instance, if you want to figure out how to integrate blockchain into your business, if you're a small business person or a big business person, or if you just are working at a job where you want to look like the hot shit, like the master of this stuff, and people are going to be super impressed, then you can learn that stuff because. Uh, any business that doesn't at least incorporate blockchain into what they're doing a little bit within the next five years is going to be left behind in the same way that any business that didn't get on the web was. 
uh, and people made fun of the web when it was first coming out. Blockchain's the same. So that's BitcoinInsider.io. The book is John D. and the Empire of Angels, uh, and it's out now. It's actually on discount on Amazon right now, so definitely take advantage of that while it lasts. They usually take those things away pretty quickly. Uh, and that is the complete history of the occult nature of reality and why we're here and where we're going. And then magic.me, that's magic with a K, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E, is my online academy for magic. So you can learn chaos magic, ceremonial magic, astral projection, uh, meditation, Enochian magic. I just uploaded a class on everything we were talking about. It's all there because I want that Promethean information out to the public. And you can actually get a free course to sign up for that. All you have to do is text the word shaman, S-H-A-M-A-N, to the phone number 44222. They'll send you back a text asking for your email address. You put in your email address. It will send you a free one-week course. It'll give you all the basic information you need to start doing magic right now. Nice. That's awesome. There you go. Right on. Right on. Thanks, Jason. We appreciate your time. We appreciate you putting up with all our bullshit last time. Oh, it was uh, great. It was a great conversation. Yeah, I think it was worth the wait. Yeah, yeah, right on. And next time, uh, we'll go deep down that Nazi rabbit hole. (laughs) All right. I'll do some reading in advance. I'm looking forward to that. a black budget show. We'll go Nazi crazy. Yeah, you got to hit on the Um, magic part of that, too. Like the whole. uh, Well, that I know about, like with Himmler and all. Uh, that's a whole other. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's so fun. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. All right. Okay, Jay. Well, thanks next again time. for coming. Until next time. Hey, yeah. Have a good night. Okay. okay. Bye bye. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye. And that was a chat with Jason Louve, who, of course, for those of you who didn't catch the chats about the missing show, we um, tried to do this like two weeks ago, and we fucked around for forty minutes. Yeah. And he. Waited and waited and waited, very and then we, pa- we had to cancel yeah, it. We had to cancel it, and then we found out it was this fucking audio hub. Shake it for the mic, yep. Yeah, yeah broken, broken piece. So I think it took us about 15, 20 minutes after we let him go to figure out what was wrong. Yeah, we thought it was the mixer. We thought it was. Oh yeah, remote. we thought, we thought the it was mixer everything. Said- we're still having some cord fucking gremlins. And then we, then tonight we tried to get going, and we just just got our shit together in the nick of time. Like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta do a full teardown. I don't know when I'm gonna do it because I'm fucking. Yeah, don't slow, worry. But... Well, it's like, hey, it's working now. Let's just let it ride for as okay. long as we can. Well, that's I what we did last time, and then we came back in, and it wasn't fucking working again. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> and we don't even know what you did. You unplugged <laughs> stuff, plugged it back in, and it started working. There you have it. So, so anyways, that was a great chat. It was, I was really appreciative that he let us sort of, you know, talk about some overarching or high arching things and overarching, high and, arching. Uh, and the whole Nazi thing and getting into that, that he's, you know, willing to discuss a lot. I, I did want to ask I know him, he's been on a lot of shows, so hopefully we change it up a bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, that is a pretty fascinating story in his book there about John D and all, all that. And rich people are Fox channeling angels and, or, communicating with angels and I wanted to ask him about the Nazi thing about about how all the accusations or are they like are are the actual Nazis accusing people of being Nazis oh I don't know I don't, maybe it could could well be is that like this is like really like leftover from project paperclip in the war and now they're turning it around. are you talking so quiet you feeling guilty about talking about that stuff maybe I think it is Maybe. 
And then they're telling their little subordinates to call everyone Nazis too. Exactly. And exactly. And all of a sudden, Indians are getting called Nazis. <laughs> That's the world we live in, folks. Big thanks to Jason for coming on the show. Do uh, check out his stuff, buy the book. And when you're done doing that, check over to grimerica.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly via PayPal, Patreon, or those monthly, weeklies, and yearlies now. Actually, that yearlies become pretty popular. So if you don't mind doing that, that really does help out, guys. Yeah, we can't do it without it. We can't do it. I mean, look at shit is breaking all the time up in this motherfucker. It sucks. But we fight through because of supporters. Support the show if you can. Do everything in Graham's honey dooby dooby doo list. Yeah, there's a chat. There's a chat. The link to the chats as well, which is a fantastic place. A Discord chat. There's a bunch of channels in there. chats. Yeah, and then uh, there's a bunch of other things. There's I'm on Instagram and Darren's on Twitter. For now. What else is there? I was thinking. There's uh, oh, the, well, we're on the YouTube video newsletter. News. Newsletter. We're going to be putting the newsletter out sort of ahead. Did you of, talk to Justin about that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good because so, I didn't. <clears throat> I mean, we didn't come to any real solid conclusions, but we're going to focus the newsletter more on um, being a notification of this coming out live on YouTube. So Brody's here to to help us for a while. He's been helping us do these live YouTube things, and then we're putting that audio out in podcast format after. So we're going to set up the newsletter. I think it's going to. It might still come out Monday or Tuesday before our Wednesdays is our usual night for recording. That's when sort of most of the live stuff will be. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes we have to do weekends for people overseas or early mornings or late nights, but for the most part, it'll be Wednesday night. So that newsletter will come out probably just highlighting who's going to be on that, that Wednesday night. There you have it. So there we, ugh, I lost. I totally just, that fell flat. So support the show, buy the book, check out the show notes. Or even, or even more, just sign up for the free course and learn some magic, man. There you go. And uh, send out some good vibes, motherfuckers. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. And thanks for joining Can us I in the chat. stop the fucking podcast before you thank the live show next oh. time? Oh, is that what you're doing? Thanks for oh. listening, and we'll see you next week. Somehow I built a rocket ship. Out of the stuff dreams are made and popsicle sticks Please look at my rocket ship schematics Tell me it can fly to the moon, tell me I'm not a lunatic Yeah.